America. My name is I'm Yosef Frimpong, and you are watching The Black Athenians. I come to you live every Friday to talk about the news of the day and help you make sense of your life. And because I suspect we are all laboring under an underdeveloped consciousness of freedom. So I try to spit to you what freedom means, not to me and not to you, but what it means in itself uh every friday for you know about a half hour or so and there's a lot of talk a lot of talk over this last week that i haven't been able to talk back to because i'm currently banned from facebook I, i'm serving a 30-day bid for something i posted like a long time ago but i think it was strategically um flagged so to keep my yap shut during the election season but i'm talking now so if you want to find out what i'm thinking you have to find me on twitter for another two weeks and because they don't apparently you can't talk about white people on 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 facebook <laughs> you're not allowed to say it uh last year i said that some white people may have to die if we're serious about uh suggesting uh, about bringing about realizing racial justice in america now mind you this is before kyle rittenhouse killed white people <laughs> um who were protesting racial justice before that i said this might happen and and for that I am serving a ban for, for 30 days. I'm just like, you get, you get banned for prognosticating the truth in these United States. I didn't make Kyle Rittenhouse do what he did. What I did is saying that you're going to have to watch out because if we want to get from here to justice, there are going to be guys like Kyle Rittenhouse who are going to shoot people. And some of those people they're going to shoot, you know, we have to be prepared for them to be white. That's what I'm saying. And I, apparently you're not supposed to say that even after it happens. So you're allowed, we're supposed to just comment that it happens, but not that like it's predictably the product of white culture and the culture of like sociopathology that, that attends to whiteness in these United States and anti-blackness in, the, in these United States. It's predictable. If you're serious about racial justice, white people are going to get their guns and other white people are going to be some collateral damage. I'm telling you now, that's, you know, we cannot be serious about racial justice and then, you know, fewer white people will get killed, but then like entire black communities will be degraded. America's comfortable with that. Um, that was the deal struck at the end of rec uh, Reconstruction. But I want racial justice, which means like I'm trying to prepare you for the fact that like a random white person or two might end up getting caught by like, you know, someone's bullet. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, that's the price of justice. And uh, I think that's a price we need to be willing to pay since we make the white people who are going to shoot them anyway. Um, uh, we, we need to accept that, like, we need to reap what we sow in order for justice for black people. So, but what I'm going to talk about tonight is going to be the election, because that's what people want me to talk about. I'm in Georgia. I didn't think Georgia would go blue you know, we didn't win a lot of <laughs> we didn't win a lot of state house seats, and uh, there's one congressional um, district that's I think importantly flipped by Carolyn Boudreaux. But for the most part, Georgia voted barely, but voted for Biden in a way that didn't change anyone's mind about the role of government in their lives or freedom. We just decided that Trump's character was slightly too obnoxious. That's all that that, that, that that election decided. And with that, I'm going to explain 
the role of Stacey Abrams, Napoleon, Georgia, and Freedom. All of that's going to come after I hit the opening. Good to me. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. And I'm back. So what does Napoleon have to do with Stacey Abrams? There's a great piece in the introduction to Hegel's uh, lectures in history where he says, and apparently he actually saw Napoleon once and he saw this like in real life. And he's like, wow, this is actually impressive. Like Napoleon brought freedom um, to, through violence and personal ambition. Like he wanted to conquer the world and in his conquering the world, he happened to institute like um, constitutional governance through the Napoleonic code of, to all of these pre-modern societies. So he was an instrument of freedom because insofar as freedom happened to align with his personal ambitions. So, you know, freedom often works in, in mysterious ways, but it aligned with his personal ambitions he wasn't a good guy, but he was an arbiter of freedom. So what does that mean? And like, if you know anything about Hamilton, the musical, see Hamilton, the musical and Hamilton, the man slightly different, importantly different, but even in the musical, it's not obvious whether there's a musical about Hamilton because of the march of freedom that was constitutional governments in the United States and his role in securing that revolution. Or is it just... Um, a musical about one man's ambition and the struggle of one man's ambition and his personal ambition. In which case, it wouldn't be that much different than Eight Mile. <laughs> Hamilton, Eight Mile, same art. It's about hip hop and one man's, um, you know, taking his shot. Right. So that's that's the question. And here's the thing about you know, I'm just teaching. I'm teach a lot of classes when I just did a, a, a section on romantic art. And one of the aspects of romantic art is you have to watch out because it validates the inner struggle of the person and the inner belief of the person, regardless of what they do. <laughs> and this is why romantic art can be about anything from like any sort of petty vanity or a love thing or to like stopping a nuclear war, because fundamentally it's all about the vanity 
I'm not the vanity, the personal ambition, because that's the source and the focal point of freedom is in this inner quality, not the objective world. It's in this inner subjectivity, right? So the question is, is that what our politics has become? Do we respect and vote for our politicians based on their inner subjectivity or based on what they're actually going to do in terms of institution, instituting uh, institutions of freedom for us all? And is that all we want out of government to validate our inner subjectivity, to show us that all of our ambitions, no matter what they are, are valid? Or is there something else going on? Or is, there, or is there going to be an inner and an outer, right? Freedom's a matter of you having an independent will, but also realizing that in a way that secures freedom of other people through our public institutions. Like that would be the inextricableness of both of those is I think um, kind of the unity of both of the objective and the objective is, is important. And I say this with respect to Stacey Abrams because I've actually met her a few times. She's very smart. Look, listen, I've been around smart people all my life or for a good portion of my life. And, you know, the brightest minds of our generation I've, I've sat with. And Stacey Abrams is at least as smart as the smartest of them. Like everything works. I do not want to play her in chess because I would lose. Do I want her to be my queen? No, because <laughs> I do not believe in monarchies, right? So I do have a problem with the idea that any Georgia Democrat now is going to try to, if they run statewide, is going to have to kiss her anything, um, her ring, or like, I don't, I do not approve of that because I, we don't have the same politics. Uh, like, Stacey thinks you have to trick white people into doing the right things. I think you have to come at them like head on. We just have different politics. But if you actually care about the two Senate races in Georgia um, going blue, which, I, you know, I don't think they'll go blue, but like, what do I know? If you do care about them, I wouldn't actually, um, I would not donate to the Ossoff campaign or the Warnock campaign directly because they'll, they'll just blow through your money. What I would do is donate it to Fair Fight Abrams organizations because she registers black people. Campaign organizations are, in general, like white churches, scared to talk to black people. For all their talk, they are just scared to talk to black people. You talk to anyone on the Ossoff campaign, and what they're going to tell you is a lot of excuses about why they don't have to canvass black neighborhoods. <laughs> that's what, that's like, no matter what, at what level, from the top all the way down, you're going to find people who are shot through with excuses about why they don't have to canvass black neighborhoods and turn out black people voting. They'll say like, yeah, well, yeah. So like, just give it to Stacey Abrams because Stacey Abrams, like who one thing is registering black people to vote. Like that's, that's what she does. And that's what she's been doing for a decade, more than a decade. And this is where her Napoleonic aspirations come in to, uh, to view. Like, like I said, I don't actually agree with a lot of Abrams' conception of democracy. However, you have to appreciate that she spent the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years drumming up votes because she wants to be governor, probably president, and she feels like the only way she can do that is winning Georgia, and then the only way you're going to win Georgia is registering black people to vote. So black people are a means to her end. Her end is other than freedom. Her end is like Stacey Abrams' aspirations. 
Um, but as a means to her freedom, she's registering a lot of Negroes and voting. And I appreciate that. I just think it's complicated. And, I, and um, so we are the accident. We are the accident. <laughs> uh, and Georgia going blue is to the accident to Stacey Abrams asp uh, uh, electoral aspirations, which, you know, I just, I, I feel some sort of way about, but I'm trying to clarify. I can't solve all your problems, but I can clarify them. And that's what's going on. And that's what Fair Fight does. It is the vehicle for Stacey Abrams aspirations, which happens to go through making sure a lot of black people vote. Like it would be, it'd be a little bit sad to find out that like Medgar Evers registered black people um, to vote so that he could like get laid or something like that. That would be like a very sad thing. It wouldn't make him less of a martyr, but I mean, he didn't, he was a family man. He actually believed that like black people should fought in the war, came back was like, well, we should be free here. And got shot for the trouble. Um, but, but like that, that would be the equivalent of what's going on with, with Abrams and fair fight, which like I said, it, 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 there are, you know, there's a, there's a way in which like a grift can lead to justice and even like, and that's a lot of work that she's done and she's dedicated her life to doing it. And like it, 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 it did a job. It did a job. Like, now, what does it mean that George is blue? I think that's an open question because every now and then Louisiana has a, uh, a Democratic governor and I, you know, I don't think you're any more free in Louisiana than you are in Georgia. And, you know, North Carolina goes blue every now and then. I don't know, black people. Um, are you any more free in North Carolina than you are in Georgia? And then you have uh, Virginia, which is Democrats all the way down. I, I got, are you black people? Virginia's got a lot of them. People in Richmond, black people. Are you free in Richmond? No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of old white money and a lot of black poverty in Richmond and North Carolina and Louisiana. So there's, it's not obvious to me that electing Democrats is actually a step forward for um, black lives. And I wasn't one of these guys who like hates Trump. I think Trump is an American. And if you hate Trump, that means you hate all of Americans and I, or at least a good portion of them and i don't have that kind of hate in my heart so people consider me divisive but i'm actually i'm divisive in my unity <laughs> insofar as i don't think trump's that bad and there's a la times article i'm not gonna bring up but there's an la times article that said like look for all of his harsh immigration rhetoric and policies you know the one demographic who was actually profiting from it were black men so 20% of black men voted for Trump. Let's be honest, 20% of black men get to vote whatever they want. I actually think nobody should get over 60% of black men, black voters, unless they're doing something for black people explicitly for black people and not being a symbol for their kids' aspirations, but actually securing institutions of justice for black people. So you don't deserve any, so I think, you know, with the second most um, uh, loyal demographic and we get nothing for a return and i you know on my twitter because that's how i can talk to people now that i'm kicked off of facebook for a few more days i said pretty clearly that that uh there is a kinship between don cornelius and his relationship to the soul train dancers and the democratic party's 
relationship to black people. If you don't know, Don Cornelius got rich paying the soul trained dancers in chicken. He paid them in chicken. And you can say, that's like American Bandstand. They didn't, they didn't pay the people in American Bandstand. The white kids in American Bandstand didn't get paid. Yeah, but the, white, but the black people in Soul Train were like grown people slash professional dancers. They weren't kids, right? It's like, <laughs> that's, that's an important difference, right? So Soul Train pretty much got professionals. They were like Rockettes. <laughs> um, and Rockettes got paid. So Don Cornelius played his black dancers who like shake their booty and, and did it and did the line and like rehearsed themselves and got themselves ready, got them dyed, fried and whatever for his soul train. He did that uh, and he paid them in chicken, fried chicken. And that's a problem. And that's kind of like the way the Democratic Party treats black people. We get paid in chicken. We get paid in aspirations. I'll tell you, the, 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 the Wall Street guys and the banks and GM and all the executives, they get paid in money uh, and security and clean water. We get paid in chicken. So Georgia might be blue, but the water we drink, I tell you, a lot of black people is, is brownish. And it's going to be brownish in four years. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And so people will say like, well... You know, I just wanted to support Kamala because she's black and I, I want my daughter to look up to a black VP. You know, if I want someone to look up to some black person with uh, aspiration, I'll, I'll have them look up to Simone Biles. I don't need Simone Biles to push policy for me. Like Simone Biles' aspiration is to be an Olympic medalist and... She's black and she's wonderful and she does incredible things. I do not need her to push policy for me. I, I like her thing is about her and, it, and I'm blessed to be able to watch. And if my daughter wants to watch Naked Aspiration without it being tied to black freedom, uh, like, like in, through public institutions, she can watch Simone Biles. She can watch Venus, uh, or Venus Williams, Serena Williams. I, I need more. I need an actual... A politician who's going to do the job of securing black people justice um, in, in my black politicians. And you could say that, well, you know, it'll open the door. T to what, though? Are black people doing that well in Delaware? Are black people doing that well in, in California? She was a DA. She was a DA, people. You could do a lot of things with a law degree without becoming a DA, but she chose to be a DA. She was a DA in San Francisco. Are black people doing that well in San Francisco? At what, what thing... Does Kamala Harris touch that ends up really good for black working class people? Like, I don't, I don't know. I do not know that thing. <laughs> I, you know, there are a lot of black grifters who are now going to get paid for pretending that she's somehow untouchable or, um, you know, that we all have arrived because she's arrived to the vice presidency. You know, I don't even think she's going to be a strong candidate in 2004. And people who say that the working class party now is, are the Republicans, they're kind of right in terms of the white working class. Like, he lost Ohio. Biden lost Ohio. Because the Democratic coalition is suburban moms who hated uh, Trump's manners, black people, and, um, you know... 
bosses, annoying white people. <laughs> just different than the white, like the GOP annoying white people. But it's not actual people who work for a living. It's not them. These professionals, anyone, there's this idea that we won, we did it. I'm trying to figure out where the intersection between the people who are zooming in to office and from the suburbs and those essential workers getting paid $7 an hour, um, not nah, $10 an hour, you know, and spending most of that on rent. Like, where's the intersection between the we? Because there are a lot of white people who voted for Biden um, talking like they're in the same coalition as like the black working class. Well, they're not, those white people who voted for Biden aren't even in the same coalition as the white working class. <laughs> white working class voted for Trump. Now you can say they voted for him because of his whiteness and white supremacy. And there's, there's, there's not a small bit to that. But if I have to choose, and I pose this question on Twitter because I think it's right. If I have to choose between white supremacist nationalists who will get black people jobs and a few bucks an hour more on one side and like white, vaguely white supremacists, globalists who will just like import all of these labor, all these laborers to come take our jobs. And they'll even find like a real African to come do what I do because like I'm too black to do philosophy. So they'll find, you know, some guy from my dad's village in Ghana uh, who wasn't born in California, uh, named Quasi, to come be their philosophy professor as opposed to, uh, you know, having a black guy with an African name but was born in California and, and speaks a little bit too black. So, like, do I want, do I want that? I'm, like, the people who are, there are some people who are worried about automation and then there's some people who are worried about immigration uh, taking jobs. Well, I think both of those can be canceled out. Um you need a federal job guarantee doing, you know, doing work that will never be automated. And, um, and you can secure it for a citizen so you don't have to worry about immigration. I think everyone would be happy. But I, 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 think, I think in the absence of a federal job guarantee, those are you know, reasonable worries. So those black men who are like, you know, we open up borders, that's going to cut into my job because I, I don't want to compete with cheaper labor who's willing to do more for less <laughs> um, because they're leaving some ravaged country that, like, uh, that we have ravaged. And that kind of makes sense. Like, I'm not, I don't hate, I'm, I'm not mad at black men for voting for Trump. Um, I mean, I, I don't agree. I mean, I didn't do it myself, but I'd like, go ahead and do it. If you want to do it, do it. Like, this election wasn't about us. Not directly. It was... A lot of it was white women trying to tell themselves that they weren't awful. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, and, and, and about Trump's bad manners. That, but it's not about us. It's not about our jobs. It's not about getting our water clean. It's not about getting our class sizes down. This election wasn't about that. So we functionally, I think, put the nation on pause for four years because uh, the Senate's going to be, I think, McConnell controlled. So nothing's going to get done. And Democrats love doing nothing and fighting hard doing nothing and having all the excuses about why they couldn't do anything because uh, that's just great things to fundraise over. 
but they're not gonna they're not actually gonna push for justice. I think Nancy Pelosi over call said don't yeah, like banned any congresspersons from saying the words defund the police. And yeah, I'll be honest, the defund the, the police budget in Athens, Clark County takes up public safety takes up over half of our budget. So I think that money could be used. Our, our property, I think my property taxes could be used to do other things rather than have uh, like fund cops. I would, I would fund cops. So I think we could use this time to organize and like actually talk through the machinery of democracy. I'm going to talk, I'm going to have that be uh, a series starting next week about the machinery of democracy and what that means. And it's going to include like we need mandatory debates. Congresspersons should have to sit through debates. Nancy Pelosi's had the job since 87, has denied debates for every challenger in three decades. She doesn't debate people. And, that, and that, so she's not publicly accountable. And if you're not publicly accountable, that means when we vote for someone, we're not actually voting for anything we know. <laughs> well, our vote is just, it puts voters at a disadvantage relative to the party. So our vote is just an expression of the party's will using our body because we, the candidates aren't held into any sort of public account. Like she barely takes a hostile interview, but she does not take a debate. So I think there needs to be a right to debate anytime and so that the citizens aren't disadvantaged relative to the party. This isn't protecting challengers. This is protecting the citizens. For my vote to mean something, for my vote to have content and not just be a formal exercise of choice, but to actually have content, I need to be able to know what I'm voting for. And what I'm voting for needs to be accountable to me. And that only happens if I can differentiate candidates and differentiating candidates in a, in a hostile terms can only happen during a debate. Remember, the debate is when um, Elizabeth Warren kind of just smacked around Mike Bloomberg and, and got him out of the race. Right? So these debates actually matter and they should be hostile debates. I wouldn't mind if it could be as simple as like one candidate ask the other candidate for a questions for an hour and then they swap places that would be fine with me i would be perfectly <clears throat> i'd be perfectly happy with that i think that would be perfectly appropriate and i think you need it necessary it, it's the equivalent of a subpoena power you need it necessary for the vote to have content and not just be an empty exercise of the party's will right so that's why I think there should be a right to a debate. Every congressperson every two years should have to sit on the same stage and take questions from other candidates for Congress and a hostile media. I wouldn't mind if, if Democrats had Fox and MSNBC did uh, the Republicans a hostile media. Because if, if you are leading the country, you should be able to take uh, questions from anybody in the country. I'll tell you, if I ever run for office, I expect you all to give. And I will take the, I'll take questions on any, I'll, I'll go on Tucker Carlson. I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk to anyone who asks questions. I will not duck um, a popular debate, right? Because that's, uh, that's just not, that's not democracy. Plus, I actually, you know, I put forth a vision of American. If you agree with it, that's fine. It includes people having jobs and, and good wages. And if you don't agree with it, that's fine too. But I think that's the work of your political leaders in a democracy is candidates is to put forth a vision of America and the role of government and all of these different kinds of freedoms in our lives. 
and how they're secured and by what bodies. And then um, let the voters decide. But absent a debate, you don't have that. What you have is control and, and incumbency power. And and I say that this is very important because Fair Fight, Stacey Abrams' organization, is all about voting. As if that's that choice is what's at issue. But you have to also understand that she's also the person who cleaned up for Joe Biden's assault because I think he, I think he did it. <laughs> I think Joe Biden assaulted Tara Reid and then Tara Reid was demoted because nobody ever explained how she was magically demoted. I call it the immaculate demotion. Tara Reid was working for Joe Biden. He assaulted her. She told her boss Tara Reid was demoted. Um, that just looks like that. Like that all, the demotion happened. Like, so unless someone can explain to me how she was miraculously demoted, then I think that's just kind of what happened. And she was pushed out and that, that's just kind of what happened. And Stacey Abrams covered for her. And Stacey Abrams, don't forget that $5 million check. Stacey Abrams took uh, from Mike Bloomberg. Uh, just a penny in Mike Bloomberg's money. But she took a $5 million check to take a photo album, a photo with him and have, a, have him keynote an event uh, with her because, you know, for the same reason Willie Sutton robbed banks. Because that's where the money is. So you have all of these things that are dicey. I like. I think it's dicey to take five million dollars from Mike Bloomberg to to uh, to be his you know pitch person. I think it's I think it's really dicey to cover for Joe Biden. But that that's the same ambition that actually you know for what it's worth turn Georgia blue. Now what does it mean to turn Georgia blue? I don't know. Louisiana is a Democratic governor. I I don't I don't. If you turn Georgia blue but keep all of the cultural artifacts the same, I don't, nothing has happened for black people. Like all of our cultural artifacts from schools, families to churches are organized to normalize black degradation. And until that changes, until the stories we tell ourselves about black poverty changes and our consciousness of what freedom entails changes like that's like it doesn't matter who it's blue or red they both agree that pretty much black people deserve to be broke and i think that's the problem um or and you can be both broke and a, a citizen in a self-determining democracy and i think that's a problem so starting next week i'm going to do a series of videos on how do we work on the, the machinery, the plumbing of democracy. It's going to start with this right to debate, so, but it's going to move into other aspects of our political process that actually can rescue our democracy. Because for the next four years, nothing's getting done. And I'm not going to waste my time actually um, pretending that something will. And, and we need to clarify, we need to get our people in, and for our people, need, we need a real democracy. So I'm going to help you rebirth our democracy with a series starting next week. And if you like anything I'm doing, please go to thefunkyacademic.com because, you know, depending on who you talk to, I'm pooping on Stacey Abrams, I'm pooping on white moms, I'm making myself down white unemployable. And what that means is I need you. I need you to... Uh, Share this video around, tell people because I'm like I'm in a Facebook hiatus, and go to my webpage and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month. 
because I'm giving you the quality of knowledge that I think you need and uh, for all of us to be free. And I do it. It's the opposite of my personal aspiration. It's uh, like I just do it because I want to live in a free world. I want my daughters to work, like live in a free world. I want my sons to live in a free world. I, I, want, I want them to, I want their prom dates in 10 years to have jobs <laughs> like, or their prom dates parents to have jobs. I want everyone, I want everyone black to be free. And that means everyone else is going to be free too. All right. Thank you very much. I will see you next week. Peace because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So, um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash and the site takes credit cards. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, 15 or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies 